Join us and unwind with a good book. Welcome to Relaxing Reads. Hi, it's Deb in Halifax. Hi, it's Simone in Vancouver. Hey, it's Tanya in Edmonton. Okay, our latest read, A History of Burning by Janika Oza's epic debut novel, is how one act of rebellion can influence a family for generations. Beginning in 1898 with a young boy, Pierby, being tricked into traveling from India to Africa to help build the East African Railway, this sweeping saga traces the story of four generations told in snapshots throughout the years. It explores the impact of colonialism, resistance, exile, and the power of family. The book shines a light on some dark parts of history, but also offers love through the resilience of the human spirit. It is a lot to take in, ladies, but how are you feeling after it? It is a lot to take in. (laughs) It was, Mm -hmm. you know, so many parts of this book are actually, yeah, I didn't know a lot about what transpired in in this book. Like it's, it spans Mm -hmm. three generations um, so much like I, I just feel I felt kind of silly reading it because I'm like I didn't know that and I didn't know that and I didn't know that um, but what I did sort of get from it is that power of resilience and how you know throughout all the all the horrible things that happen and against the odds and all of that that families continue to to persevere and just keep going I mean wow <laughs> a testament to that to the human spirit absolutely Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, it started off a little bit of a tough read for me. It was a bit of a slow go. Um, but just, you know, trying to think back to that time of when, you know, like starting with Pierby, you're this young boy and you have to leave everything behind to go and work and provide for your family. And you think about being a 13-year-old boy and the the pressure that brings with it. And I, you know, it made me think a lot about just my sons, like my son's almost 12 and... (laughs) Gosh, look at, you know, everything he's given in life. And he was spoiled about, you know, asking for something the other day. And we're trying, you know, (laughs) you try to work on that as parents as and keep them humble and make them understand like how lucky they are. But you, you go back and you, you read these kind of stories and it makes you really think about wanting to have conversations with those elders in your life because there's so many stories or so many people who have gone through these situations and it's just really an eye opener. And I never grew up being much of like a history buff or really retaining a lot of what I learned in school. But I think works like this are so important because as we get older and we're, you know, still curious about learning about things, stories like this can help us better understand that path people had to take for so many of us to be where we are to live the life we're living. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. And Absolutely. I think, I mean, yeah, I would think of, of your son too, Simone, but I, I think of myself like at 12 or 13 and the responsibilities that I had. I mean, if we cleaned our room, we got a oh, at a girl or at a boy, you know, well done. You've you've done that chore and let's move on to something else. But nothing like having to take care of your family and become an adult when it seems like it should be so far away from where you are in your, your young life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like pure by being a 13 year old on a boat, he doesn't even know where he's going. He can't he can't speak English, you know, and he he doesn't even know how to write. And like he grows up. in Africa, you know, building a railroad. And that was like just 
you know, hearing about the working conditions and just Mm -hmm. the colonel, um, you know, how strict he was and just if they did anything wrong, he would like take some of the money that they were owed and he'd just pocket it himself. And it's just like, wow, I can't, I can't imagine, you know, like you said, Deb, like being that age, I can't imagine having that kind of responsibility Mm -hmm. thrown on you. But it's like back then there was no choice. Like, you know, you had to kind of get up and whoever could provide for their family had to go do it. And you kind of just, I think, had to be able to grow up quick. Like here we always think in North American culture, oh, let kids be kids. Let them be innocent for so long because one day they will become adults and then we have to do the whole adulting and be responsible. And you think of places in the world where this is still happening, where young kids are under that pressure. And it's heartbreaking to think about that, that the world, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I saw something the other day. It said something about, you know, why are were some of us given the the opportunity to live in certain lands while others have to live in lands where there's so much mm. suffering and heartbreak. Like, you know, it's the, it's winning the country lottery in a way where yeah. you don't know where you're going to end up. We were just put in certain places around this world. And for some, there's so much of a struggle still. And for some, there's not that struggle. And you almost feel guilty that you were given this opportunity when others haven't. You know, this kind of stuff, this kind of heaviness. And then you just think reading novels like this, educating yourself is the step in the direction of being able to better understand and maybe be able to help in a way, any way you can. Yeah, yeah. It's. It, I think it goes back to that privilege again, right? Mm-hmm. Like we had, you know, so many options and we had, you know, hopefully some people guiding us or, you know, people around us who could guide us and, and direct us. Um, but to not have that and you think about, yeah, Simone, like so many areas in the world where children are doing not the chores that I was you know, talking about, just making your bed or making, you know, making sure your, your room was clean, but walking for miles for so little water, but that valuable water that you're having to take home, um, you're hoping that you make it to your home to provide for your family and how valuable that is where we just, you know, go to the kitchen, we turn on the tap, and sometimes we're running it without thinking there are places where they would grab that water and, you know, and mm-hmm. the the value is, is so much different. The perspective is so different compared to what we've got, you know, what we see every day. Absolutely. And, and I think about, it is about, you know, this book... It really did educate us. I mean, I certainly learned a whole lot that I didn't know before. And, you know, I, I, I was reading it and there was one point where I put it down and I just I just sat there and I went, what what would it feel like to be countryless? You know, mm-hmm. like you yeah. are, you know, Pierby goes to Africa, but then he ends up having his family and then they have family. And yet, you know, they're born into that country, but yet you know, when, when Idi Amin comes in, they don't have the papers to prove their citizenship, right? So then, mm-hmm. like, how do you even define about where do I belong? If, if I don't have a country and the country that I have was born into, that I have grown up in and I've started my own family and all of a sudden, you know, everything changes and you're uprooted and it's like, well, where, where do I go? <laughs> I can't imagine... Yeah that feeling, you know, and you, you get that when you're reading the book and it really does make you sort of kind of, kind of sit up and pay attention and go, uh, you know, I know nothing, you know, being born in Alberta and 
you know, growing up with my parents and we didn't have to go anywhere, you know, anywhere that I went, I chose where I went. You know, there's nobody telling me where I couldn't, couldn't go. And there was nobody telling me what my citizenship was, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just a given. So it really does tug at you that way where that is happening in this book and it still happens today. Mm -hmm. I think about my parents, like they both were born and lived in India, but they made a choice to come out here. Like they didn't have, you know, any major struggles there. It was like, let's go to Canada to choose a better life. And they were able to come here and stay here. But, you know, you think about the same thing, like Pierre left for a better life to provide for his family and to go do something. And then you have someone come in and say, nope, you have to leave here in 90 days. Like, couldn't mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when you give up mm-hmm. everything to go somewhere and then that somewhere is like, nope, get out of here. Where do you go? It's that, like you said, the country list thing. But I just, when, mm-hmm. I, when I read that part about when Edie Amin came in, like mm-hmm. I had no mm-hmm. idea about him, but I was telling my husband about the book uh, as I was reading it. And I was like, yeah, you know, because he was like, what is it about? And I said, it's about this family. And now they're getting kicked out of Uganda. And he's like, yeah, that happened to, uh, you know, my friend Opie, that happened to his dad. And I was like, what? And I was like, what are you talking about? So a good friend of ours, um, that's what happened. He was in Uganda, had come there from India. And then during this period of exile, when, you know, Asians, South Asians were asked to leave Uganda, he was a part of that. And now he settled here in Vancouver, B.C. And that was a part of his story. And I'm like, how did I not know this piece of information? Mm. So the next time, like when we go to visit them, I feel like I want to have these conversations. And this is just it. When you don't have a lot of literature on this, when you haven't faced it or anyone in your family hasn't gone through it, there is so much you don't know. And books like this are the ones that are telling, helping tell the stories of, you know, these atrocities that happened and are still happening. And it's just, it's crazy to think. Mm -hmm. It is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. and um, I've heard, I mean, yeah, I think we missed out a lot in our history that was, you know, being taught or offered in in our schools. You know, for me, living on the East Coast, uh, we heard of the expulsion of the Acadians, but we never heard of any other expulsion. So we had that in our history books. But beyond that, I mean, there are so many other groups that suffered as well. And whether it was each generation not wanting to Um, share the burden or bring it up again and because it was so draining for each individual or what their families had gone through they don't want to throw it at their children or because they've got something that they never thought they would and they just want to offer so much goodness to the next generation it's um but you're right like this is a chance to to educate ourselves and, and share the story and and hope that we can take that and do good with what's currently going on in in our world because it's mm-hmm. it's certainly very timely that we're talking about this particular story mm-hmm. and now there's a, a, a you know a space in this world that has been i guess struggling for a very long time and people trying to figure out is this my home or if 
is it okay to be on that side of this border? Where is my home? Where do I belong? And why do I not have a space on this planet? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's just, you know, she talks about the strength of character. And there's so many snippets in this book where you just, you know, these these families are going through just horrific things and things are being done to them and they have to move here and move there and all that. And, and one thing really stuck with me with uh, Rajni, um, you know, she ended up, I didn't, I really liked her. I thought she was like a spitfire when Vinod, mm-hmm. when Vinod met her. And, um, there was one part in the book where it talks about, um, Rajni saying the one thing that her parents left her with was her worth. And that really stuck mm-hmm. with me. And I think that's sort of, um, all of the characters in the book sort of have that depth of like, you know, I am more than just this place and I am more than just what I do. And and even like hereby throughout the book, he always just continues to always do better, always do better. He's always pushing to do better, to do better, to have a better life. And he really believed that. And I guess, of course, he but he stepped on a boat away from his family to go and do something better. And he continued that throughout his entire life. And then he passed it on to his children and then their children passed on to their grand, you know, to their children. So I really love that, that sense of, you know, humanity of being able to just Keep going, keep going. Know your worth. Know your worth. Don't let anybody else step on you throughout the, the 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 craziest odds of you not being able to achieve. They seem to just keep going, and I just I really love that throughout the book. So many characters in this book. Um, was there a favorite for either of you, or one you wanted to get more of a deeper dive into? I don't mm-hmm. know if there was one. <laughs> Um, I, I think a lot of um, a lot of characteristics of a lot of the personalities, um, because there was so much bravery and, and spunk, like you say, and, um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of warmth and just getting things done. Um, I don't know if there was one for me, but what what I did like was despite all the, the heartache, the heaviness, the, the hardships that they had to endure, there was that sense of family and and connecting through food, I think. Um, you know, there were some moments where they, they got together. And I must tell you that during some of my reading, I um, I was drinking chai tea. I love chai tea anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm. And because there was a mention of, you know, some of the food and drink, I really felt like there was some kind of a connection with the tea. And we've talked about this with other books that we've, you know, we've read and always coming together somehow um, through food when you can get it and when you can gather. And it gives you at least a moment of calm to kind of take everything in, whatever it is that might be going on around you. But there were certainly a lot of um, uh, fierce and, um, and courageous personalities within the book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I liked a lot of the characters and, and certainly we learned more about some of them and others. But I was really curious about Mayuri. Um, she's not, uh, you know, she goes to they, they she goes to, to study um, to be a doctor in Bombay. And there's a chapter where she meets someone, another mm-hmm. woman, and they have a relationship. But it's not yeah. really 
it's not it's a very small snippet of the book you know and then and then she travels you know her parents eventually go to Toronto and and settle to live there and she ends up going to Toronto and then she marries this guy because <laughs> I guess it was yeah. expected of her mm-hmm. of course they're never they yeah. don't have children and I'm like I always I wanted to know a little bit more about her and her life and what happened to this woman and was it ever a possibility that she could have lived that life and be true to herself because by even by the end of the book there's not really anything for her in terms of her own relationship and kind of diving into that so for me I wanted to know a little bit more about her because it just interested me and um and I just thought you know is could she have um why did the author not really explore that you know it was a lot about Latika um and I just wanted to know a little bit more about her sister yeah it's interesting you know sometimes it makes me think it's about when you have parents and grandparents who have made so many sacrifices for you, and maybe they have an expectation, you almost want to align with what they had hoped for you instead of breaking free and becoming your own person. And I think some people get stuck in that. So maybe that was it. It's like her trying to do what her parents want her to do because Mm -hmm. she has seen the struggle. And so maybe you give up a little part of yourself to have them just not know what what you really want or what you feel because you feel guilty of almost wanting what you want because mm-hmm. they maybe did not get to make choices. Their choices were made for them. So I think some people can have that struggle as well because you just want to impress your parents. Then you have someone like Kia who just breaks away and does what she's going to do. Same with Latika. So I don't know, like it would have been nice to know more of her story and yeah, what is going to end up for her. But that's what I just thought. I thought there was a lot of unanswered questions. Like we get to meet Mm -hmm. so many great, great characters and we, this story just like it takes you from India to Africa to Canada. And there is a lot of questions about even like Harry Does he ever get to reunite with his mom? Does the family ever go back to Uganda um, Mm. to visit their old home? Does, yeah, Mayuri connect with this person? What happened to Arun? I mean, it just, I just, it's, you're just left with those thoughts and, and, and that's just how it is. Sometimes you don't get the answers you want. There was, yeah, a lot to unpack in this book, a lot to just Mm -hmm. kind of feel yeah, and then of course, I mean, I think all of us have seen this, you know. And sometimes, you know, people joke about it, which I absolutely hate. You know, they talk about the people who work in our convenience stores and all of that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like mm-hmm. the people who drive our taxis, right? It's like, well, yeah. they all—if they immigrated to this country, they had a life before they got here. And sometimes their education doesn't uh, isn't the same standards of what we need for them to do what they used to do. And I think about, you know, when uh, Vinod and uh, Rajni end up settling in Toronto, you know, Rajni had a a teacher certificate, yet she was a nanny, Yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. and Vinod couldn't get a job, right? Like he was a, he was bagging groceries, he was a car lot attendant, and eventually he got in with Canada Post. But, you know, it's like, don't look at somebody and think that they're they are what they are doing because you have no idea where they came from and and what they excelled at 
right? Like they may yeah. have been doctors. Even even uh, Mayuri, I mean, she came from Bombay. She was educated in Bombay. But yet when she came to Canada, they're like, yeah, you can't be a doctor here because you don't have the, all the blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. It's so maddening in a way. It just makes me it like is. frustrated. <laughs> but it also fascinates yeah. me. There are, so, if you think about every individual and the stories we all have, if we would just be able to tell our mm-hmm. stories to the world, mm-hmm. like you think about, you know, Latika keeping secrets in. Pierby didn't tell anyone about that whole village and fire situation except for his one yes. granddaughter. And, you know, um, and then Mayuri didn't tell anyone about her relationship. Like there's all these things that mm-hmm. we all experience in life and maybe we don't completely share with with other people and we just keep a lot of those to ourselves and that's what always fascinates me is people's secrets <laughs> and it's like the, the or the stories of mm-hmm. the elders and what what everybody has like in their little <laughs> arsenal that we never get yeah. to know yeah or years later they feel like you know i think it's time i can just throw this out there into a conversation as if they've already known this story about me or somebody within the family. Mm-hmm. I've heard those stories, a few of those stories. Yeah. Over the years. Like, wait, you knew that. No, I didn't. But tell me more now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And maybe maybe it's timing for a lot of people. Maybe, you know, when the right time comes and it's the right crowd or the right audience I can share with with them. Yeah. And, you know, reading this book, it's um, since, yeah, I had no idea about any of this side of history. I started, of course, Googling and looking things up. I know, Tanya, when you message in our group and you're like, I didn't know much about this Edie Amin character. And I was like, I'm going to look this up. And then you see there's the King of Scotland, the movie with Forrest Whitaker. And that was that was highlighting kind of him and when he was in power and the things that happened. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember hearing about that movie. And so that's a little, you know, snippet of of getting to know a little bit more of the story but um mm-hmm. yeah and like for a debut novel like this this yeah. was a this was a big undertaking for the author unreal mm-hmm. absolutely yeah and I love you know when you think about like what's your takeaway from this book well there's there's lots of takeaways from here but one of the things I just wanted to it, it towards the end of the book there's a riot and Harry is involved in it and and um Rajni and Vinod have a store at this point and it burned to the ground and so but Rajni says she goes they would let it burn and insist on something better like they have done their entire lives Mm -hmm. and that really stuck with me it's like no matter what you throw at us we will pick ourselves up you know and, and go on to something better and start over. And it's like this yeah. family, start over, start over, start over. Yeah. So, yeah, I just I kind of love that, you know, how they just, against all odds, they just, and no matter what happens, they just go, you know, just keep going. And I think that's sort of the, I think that's pure by. I think that was sort of like, you know, he started it all and he just always wanted something better. No matter what they threw at him, always wanted something better. And that continued throughout his entire lineage with his family. Oh, that just gave me chills when you you mentioned yeah. that. And it's it's so true. You know, you think um, of some who may not have a lot of struggles, and then you think about those who have constantly been faced with struggles. And it's just how people get through life and their will and their motivation and their desire to 
just be better and do better. And you think about Harry and now, you know, with him understanding more mm-hmm. of his past, he's taking a stand. Mm-hmm. He's not going to stand up for this. And I think that's what this this new, the newer generations are able to do, you know, take those stories from the past and all of us just continue to work on how do we continue on the path of hoping that a lot of those things don't happen, even though they do happen in a lot of places of the world, you can kind of only control what's happening in in your home, in your country, and just be a better person and be better to those who are new to the country and who have struggles. If you are able to help or offer anything to anyone who's struggling, I think that's all we can really do. Yeah, there's never a wrong time to be kind or or do good. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, a lot of thoughts and a lot of questions. Good time to get on the phone with Janika Oza, who is the author of A History of Burning, and ask her some of our questions. Well, Janika, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Oh, it is our pleasure. My goodness, A A History of Burning. It's your first novel. This is quite the debut. Um, How did you get the idea of one family's journey over 100 years, four generations, how did it evolve? And how long did it take you to write? Because there's a lot going on, isn't there? There is a lot going on. It took me uh, about six years to write the book in its entirety. Um, I didn't, when I started writing the book, I didn't set out to write a book that would span 100 years. I thought it would be maybe one or two decades, um, beginning in the 70s, and specifically when Idi Amin came to power um, in Uganda in 1971. But as I got to know this family that I was writing about, I started to understand kind of the ways that they had experienced these sort of cycles of loss and displacement and separation many times over, and that, you know, their journey did not begin in 1971. It didn't begin with this dictator. Um, and I realized I really wanted to go, I wanted to go back and sort of understand why was this family here and settled here in Uganda in the first place? What had brought them here? And, you know, that is what led me to expand the story around the generations and to really think about what uh, stories and memories and ideas were moving through the generations. Now, six years, that's obviously a lot of time as a lot of research went into this book. So what were, other than speaking with this family, did you um, have to pull from other various resources or was there anyone else that you had conversations with as well? Yeah, so I did a lot of research for this novel. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of that at the start was book research articles, journal articles, and looking into the archives of newspapers and um, some self-published memoirs, things like that, that I could find. Um, But in reality, there is not actually a lot of published work out there about this time and this place. You know, this is a a community that's been largely um, underdocumented. And so for me, I, you know, this is my own family history. I'm a descendant of this community. And so um, it became really important for me to actually speak to people who had been through these experiences. Um, and so, yes, I did begin with my family, um, but I, I expanded out from there, and my family connected me to a lot of people, uh, people who I didn't know, people across the world, you know, all the places where in 1972, when South Asians were expelled from Uganda, we settled all over the place from Australia to the U.S 
to um, India. And so I was having a lot of these kind of global uh, Zoom calls or Skype calls at the time. And yeah, just a lot, a lot of conversations and a lot of listening to stories. You know what's interesting? I was telling my husband about this book, and when I kind of started sharing a little bit of the story, he was like, yeah, my best friend, his dad, that happened to him. They had to leave Uganda, and that's why they're here now, because we're in Vancouver. And I was like, what? I never knew this. Like, how did I not know this? And now it's one of those things where I'm like, the next time I see uncle, I need to ask him about this, because you're right. There's not a lot of conversations around this or work you see that many of us would even know that this happened. Right. There's a great deal of silence. And that was a a silence that existed within my family um, and within the community. And then also, yeah, in in the archives, right, in the documents, like it's not there or what does exist is is very biased. And, you know, it's not the it's not written by us and it's not written for us. And so for me, the project of this book was really to, to rectify that in a way, at least in this one small way that I could. Wow. Mm-hmm. A small way, but really a big way. Very important. So if we could send you a, a bouquet digitally <laughs> um, and hats off to you, because what an important piece, your debut. Um, this work is so important to so many people. And to get the stories out there and to share this. I mean, you introduce us to so many people. Was there a character that really connected with you? Did you have a favorite as you were telling these stories? Hmm. I wouldn't say that I had a favorite, but the character of Rajni is very much inspired by my own grandmother, who I never met, but who I I sort of always knew that she herself had experienced partition. She was born in Karachi, pre-partition. She went through the partition of India along with her family, and then she married my grandfather, who lived in Uganda, and she moved there. And then, of course, in 1972, they were forced to leave and were exiled. And so this was sort of a a story that I'd always known, um, but I'd never had the chance to, to ask her about it, to speak to her about it, or even to know who she was. And so the character of Rajni was sort of one way for me to understand my grandmother a little bit better and sort of right towards this person who had so much curiosity about and so much love for, but had never actually met. Now, Janika, have you ever traveled back to Uganda or Kenya or has the members of your family who have left there ever returned? Because I know in the book, Vinod and Rajni, there's that, you know, conversation around it. Um, Yeah, it is tricky because, you know, my family was exiled from Uganda. And so return was not really, it was not a possibility for a long time. Um, My grandparents never had the chance to return before they passed. And I'm not sure if they wanted to. Um, There's a lot of pain there. Mm -hmm. Um, I I did have the chance to go once. I was in high school, actually. So it was long, long before this book was even an idea for me. But we went back uh, as a family. So with my dad and my aunts and uncles and cousins. And it was the first time that you know, all of them who had actually been forced to leave went back. And it was a very emotional and quite difficult experience in my memory. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think this story, your story, um, th- there's something sadly familiar about the struggle of immigrants and the way they're treated, despite whatever the background might have been like in another time, but also through these 
I mean, truly horrific experiences, there's an unbelievable strength. Um, was it your intention to remind us? Because sometimes I think we, every other day, it's like, oh, you know, first world problems. We might joke about it in conversation about the little things that are happening around us. But I think it's also a good reminder to, you know, take a deep breath and consider what else might be going on in our world. Um, because this is very raw, the stories that you offer to us. Was it your intention to kind of share this and remind everybody that we still have a lot of work to do in this world of ours and we we need to help each other out? You know, it wasn't, I can't say that that was my intention because for me, my intention was to write a good story. I wrote this book for myself. I wrote it for my family. I wrote it for my community, which is Ugandan Asians who were expelled. And, And so I was not writing this book thinking about, you know, wanting wanting anyone else to to learn something or to understand. Um, I was really writing this because I felt called to um, and because I felt that this family was a family that I knew so intimately. You know, they're fiction. They're not real, but I really deeply understood them and wanted to, mm-hmm. to explore them across time and place. So really that that is what the project of this book was for me. Um, of course, I do hope that readers of, you know, from every community who come to this book will hopefully learn um, or be called to do further research on on the Ugandan Asian community and what happened with the expulsion of South Asians. And um, of course, as well, that is, as you mentioned, very relevant to what's happening today um, in so many places. And, you know, it's not it's not really a story of the past. And so that kind of relevance and, and um, importance, yeah, I, I do hope that um, a reader will will pick up on that and, you know, think about it. When it came to the family dynamics, you know, you saw that there was a lot of butting heads. There were a lot of, obviously, characters interwoven with each other. A lot was done out of love. But then you think about families and the secrets that we all hold from our family members. And we may never really know the full story of whether that's someone in our past because we haven't had those conversations. So what was your thought process on kind of the way these characters were with like Latika not not leaving and, and, and so much of them, you know, keeping things to themselves? Like, was there a certain thought process on writing that way? Or was it just to kind of show the family dynamics as we often have? Mm, I think... The characters were acting themselves. You know, I was not. I was not really trying to orchestrate uh, anything in particular. I think when you spend enough time, enough years with the characters that you're writing, you know, they in a sense they come alive. Um, and so when Latika made the decision that she did, I was was a little shocked. But you know, I had to allow her the space to do that. And, you know, I, I think the way that I approach writing is trying to give all of my characters this kind of, like, fullness or allowing them to be whole people. Um, and so, you know, allowing them their messiness, allowing them their mistakes. Um, and certainly my experience of family is one where there is, there is certainly a lot of conflict. There's a lot of butting heads. Um, mm-hmm. There is we don't always see eye to eye or um, want the same things for one another or for ourselves. Um, But there's also so much love and so much tenderness and a real sense of 
wanting to care for each other and to hold on to each other. And I think that in this family, um, in this book, within the context of so much displacement and separation across, you know, across oceans, across continents, um, that sort of, that instinct to hold on to each other and to protect each other and care for one another is even stronger and because becomes, it holds even more weight. And so I, I really, I was just sort of putting that at the center of this family and of their dynamics and relationships over and over again. And it definitely shows, especially those last few pages, you know, it's, it's coming together as a family and getting through the obstacles that come your way. Right. I think it's, yeah, it's very relatable. All the emotions you pull out of us. <laughs> mm, I'm glad. And, and you talk about, uh, you know, crossing oceans and continents and there's, there's a lot of moving around from those different communities. And, and then, of course, being added into a new family life, new family situation, whether it's a, a marriage or the extended family. Do you have a definition of home? Most people, I think, will move around a few times in their life. But then you've got a lot of other people who have to move. They, they are forced out of their home and have to find a new one, which can be very difficult. Is is there um, some kind of a definition Either, you know, you have yourself or in the story that defines what home is? Hmm. I think, you know, for the characters in this book, home is something that is constantly changing, right? It's constantly unsettling and resettling. Um, and as you said, often that's by force, although sometimes it is by choice as well, Um so I think for the book to have, to have landed on one definition of home would be untrue because of this context of exile and, and displacement. You know, there's no, um, the family doesn't finally arrive somewhere. It's, it's this constant state of, of movement and flux. Um, and I think, too, that that is coming from my own experience of home, my own family history, Right. We have a history of, of exile, of being uprooted. Um, and my family, we are refugees and we are immigrants and we are settlers all at once. Um, and so for me, my own definition of home has been shaped by all of that. But I think beyond just a, a sort of concise concept of home, in this book I really wanted to engage with not just the question of what is home, but also who gets to feel a sense of home in these places? You know, can we call a place home if we are not all safe and free in it? That is a question that I was carrying through the novel and that I hope um, a reader will sort of engage with as well. I think so. I think that definitely comes across. So, Janika, this was obviously a lot of work to put into this novel. We thoroughly enjoyed it. What's kind of next for you? What Are you working on something else that you can share with us? Uh, I am working on something new. It's at that very early stage where I feel very protective over it um, because I'm still figuring out what it really is about. So I can't say too much about it, but there is something in the works. Well, we look forward to hearing about it um, and picking that up for our book club as well. Thank you. I uh, Thank you so much for these questions. Oh, thank you. I, you know, I think there's a lot of heaviness within the stories, but um, and, and uh, I uh, actually tearing up and, and uh, 
not just now, but throughout the reading. But there were also a lot of laughs and I think Mm. relatable moments, you know, as the kids were growing up or, you know, different times within the family unit. So um, thank you for, for bringing that to the readers. Oh, I'm so glad you had that experience. Thank you so much. Thank you, Janika, so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. You as well. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for kicking back and relaxing with us. We hope you'll join us again on Relaxing Reads.